to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself The purpose of life, after all, is to live it, to taste experience to the utmost, to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer experience. Eleanor Roosevelt. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, creator and producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Rachel Glass. Before we get into today's show that is all about adventure, Be The Star You Are as volunteers, and I want to urge you to check out our website at btsya.org. As part of our Be The Star You Are Disaster Relief Outreach Program, Be The Star You Are has collaborated with Authors Guild to showcase the new books launched by many authors from around the country in a variety of genres. For the next few months, make sure you are tuned in to both Star Style and Be The Star You Are on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific for Wednesdays with Writers and Express Yourself, airing on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific for Super Smart Sundays both broadcasting right here on the Voice America Network Empowerment Channel to learn about these incredible authors and books. For this segment, I'm going to be reading a chapter from the book, Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. You can find the book available at www.starstylestore.net. The Gift of Adventure. I've confronted wild animals in Africa paddled down the Amazon, hitchhiked through Europe, and trekked in Machu Picchu. The adventure that had the most impact on my life was a simple one. In fact, an experience that most people wouldn't consider an adventure at all. When my daughter Heather was four, she had to have serious surgery. As I prepared her, I explained in simple terms that she and I were about to have an adventure together. We talked about why she needed the surgery, what the anesthesia would be like, how she would feel after the procedure, and how our adventure would unfold. We would camp out in the hospital, read books, sing songs, play make-believe, tell stories, draw, paint, and be creative. And we would be together for every moment of the adventure. As I secretly feared the impending surgery and its outcome, she was looking forward to it as a great experience, counting down the days to our big adventure. We packed up my sleeping bag and pillow, sweatsuit, office supplies, all the toys, books, and tapes she enjoyed, and off we went. After we set up our camp in her room, she was wheeled off down the hall for her long surgery. Although she was in pain during her recovery, we turned a difficult time into a bonding experience. As I had promised, I never left her for the next two weeks except to take a shower in her bathroom, and only then when her father or grandmother was by her side. We made every detail of her recovery into a discovery. We did all the things we had planned, reading, storytelling, playing house, painting, singing, dressing up. We raced down the hallways in her wheelchair. Heather's preschool science teacher, Evelyn, snuck a couple of her favorite animals into the hospital for Heather's enjoyment. One was a talking parrot, which truly entertained the nurses and the children. We visited other children, bringing them surprises to make them feel better. At a young age, Heather was learning compassion for others worse off than she was. Her own discomfort seemed to dissipate while she talked and encouraged them to get well. There was another little girl in our room whose family had abandoned her. For a time, we became her surrogate family, and Heather realized how fortunate she was to have a mom and dad who loved her and were with her. Because of this very intense, loving adventure, Heather and I have developed a powerful bond that will never be broken. She knows I'm there for her and will never abandon her, no matter what. 
Whenever we drive past the hospital, she still says, there's my hospital. And we still talk about all of our adventures during those two eventful weeks. To expand who you are, look for adventure in all things. Life is an involuntary bungee jump. You can shut your eyes tight, cringe and shriek in terror, hoping it will all be over soon. Or you can be or you can open yourself to the experience, savoring every sensation and crying out with the joy and exhilaration. Celebrate your aliveness, your health, your humanness. There is no time to feel sorry for yourself when you recognize that someone somewhere would gladly trade places with you. Every, make every day an adventure in this body, in this time, and in this place. The exercise along with this is just be alive. Jot down three situations in your life that could be interpreted as adventures. What did you do well? If you had to do them over again, would you do anything differently? Adventure is worthwhile in itself. Amelia Earhart. This chapter was written by Cynthia Bryan. Cynthia is mentioned on this radio show a lot because she's the founder and executive director of Be The Star You Are 501c3 charity, among other things. Um, And I wanted to wrap up this segment on a personal note, uh, mentioning who Cynthia is to me and the adventure she took me on. I joined Cynthia and Be The Star You Are over 10 years ago to volunteer reading books and publishing reviews to promote literacy in our local area. And what I thought would be a short-term volunteer gig turned into something so much more. Cynthia gave me an opportunity to contribute chapters to two published books, help plan events, and run social media accounts. She really became a mentor to me and even helped me apply to college. Even though too much time sometimes goes by, I consider myself a forever part of the Beat the Star You Are family, and I'm forever thankful to Cynthia for what she's given me. If you or someone you know is a teen in the California Bay Area, I would highly recommend looking into Beat the Star You Are and volunteering Um, Not only will you get a chance to make a difference in your local community, but you will also be able to connect with Cynthia, which is such a gift. And no matter where you are in the world, you can make a difference. Look up your town's local charity. You never know what adventure it will bring you on or what adventure it will bring you to. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Um, As a reminder, the newest establishment in the series, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in the Changing Digital World is available now on www.starstylestore.net. If you're looking for a new book to read, especially during this time, consider picking up a copy. Remember, your purchase benefits the Be The Star You Are 501c3 charity in this Express Yourself program as a donation. Check out youtube.com slash be the star you are for our fun and informative Be The Star You Are videos on living, laughing, and learning. Visit us at btsya.org and check out past editions of our show at expressyourselfteenradio.com. Keep on listening to our conversation about adventures after the break. I'm Rachel Glass. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. for staying with us here at the Express Yourself radio channel and the Voice America Empowerment channel. We're here today with C.R. Kami, author of the Libby Linton Adventure series. Thank you for being here today. Well, it's truly my pleasure. And, you know, obviously I've done read up on you um, before this interview, but for any of our viewers who may not be as familiar, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, Um, That's interesting. Um, I've always been a writer. I started my life as a reporter and uh, went on to, as my original career was as in interior design. And I used to have a column in a local newspaper, uh, Dear Decorator column, and that sort of uh, evolved um, into uh, reporting. And I did a lot of uh, political work and then uh, restaurant reviews. But Basically, my love was always interior design, and uh, I started doing work for local magazines. And in the back of my head, always, I had this deep and unabiding love for horses and uh, really felt that there was a dearth of material out there for young people who shared my passion. And I really felt it was appropriate to put aside this time and finally really do the book that needed to be written. So that's, uh, that's how it came about. Wonderful. And I want to talk a little bit about your book series, your book center around an adventure on Mackinac Island at the grand hotel. Is this a hotel where you have memories as a child? Oh, absolutely. I do. Absolutely, I do. Um, But it's so much more than that. Um, Mackinac Island has a very rich history. I find it so strange that so few people know about Mackinac Island. It's Mm -hmm. unique. It's in between the upper and lower peninsula of Michigan and slightly off to the east. A bridge was built in 1954 to connect the two peninsulas. Um, The island itself is called Mackinac, even though it ends with a W. Mm. And it sat neatly off the shore, separate from the mainland with all of its modern temptations and has remained part of another time. No motorized vehicles are allowed on this island. It's a place where horses dominate the pace of life. It's a place Mm. where in the spring and summer and fall sounds and smells fill the air with the sense of sense of, ba- of past time. The name Mackinac is shortened from the Ojibwe word Michilimackinac, or Michilimackinac, which means big turtle. The shape of the island is uh, certainly representative of a turtle, but the uh, Ashinaabe, as they're called, also say that the island is home to the great spirit, and the turtle is a sacred figure in their native culture. It represents Mother Earth and signifies good health and long life. So since the um, original native inhabitants of Mackinac Island, this island has changed hands innumerable times. The first European settlement was in 1671 by a father, Jacques Marquette. Just briefly, though, because the British moved Um, to the formerly French garrison, and the fur trade um, came back to Mackinac Island during the Revolutionary War. Since Mackinac Island is raised in the middle and has tall limestone bluffs, the British thought it would provide a better place to defend should there be a battle. Uh, There they built Fort Mackinac, though it was never attacked during the Revolutionary War. The United States acquired the territory and the fort after the Treaty of Paris, and at the end of the war in 1783, 
though the British didn't officially give up ownership of the fort until the mid-1790s. Um, in uh, 1814, the legendary Battle of Mackinac Island, that was the only battle ever to have actually been fought on the island, ensued, though U.S. troops were handily defeated by the British-occupied forces. The end of the War of 1812 and the Treaty of Ghent returned the island and the fort to the control of American forces. With the war over, Mackinac thrived. It became a hub for fur trading in the 1820s, and soon after that, fishing trade also boomed. But the island didn't remain a sleepy fishing village for long. Uh, as early as 1850, Mackinac Island began to attract tourists. And when the Civil War ended and the railroads spread across the nations, the tourism industry grew tenfold. Mackinac Island became a national park in 1875, just three years after Yellowstone, making it the nation's second ever national park. The island banned automobiles in 1898 when too many horses were startled by roaring engines so visitors could get around on foot and bicycle or by horse-drawn buggies on an eight-mile highway which encircles the village. It is the only highway in the United States where motor vehicles are banned. Wow, that's such, you know so much about the history that I didn't know. And I was thinking when you when you first started just describing the area, I'm I live in you know I live in Los Angeles, so I live in a big yes. city. It just sounds so um, peaceful. It is peaceful, <laughs> remarkable in every way, and so it wow. it really captured my imagination. And at what age did you visit there? Or you know, uh, I, I think the first time I went, I used to live in Chicago. So the mm -hmm. first, the, my first visit, I think I was five years old and I, okay, so you were a child. I was a child and it was a memory that has lasted mm -hmm. my entire life. And did you ever go back as a adult oh, or young adult? Many times. And I actually became quite friendly with the owners of the grand hotel, having been there so many oh. times over so many years. And uh, sadly, you know, it's been in one family virtually its entire existence wow. since 1887, wow. which is when their doors opened. At that time, the rates for a room were 3 to $5 a night. <laughs> Could you uh, imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Uh, publicists said that they had the largest front porch of any hotel in the world, which has now been found to be a little less than accurate. Mm -hmm. The rich and famous flocked to the hotel, led by mm -hmm. Mark Twain, and followed by the likes of President Kennedy and Madonna. Uh, Somewhere in Time was filmed there with Jane Seymour and Christopher Reeves in 1980, and a whole new generation made this hotel become a must-visit destination. Well, and it, at the hotel, do they uh, really treat all people like celebrities? Oh, Absolutely. It's hard to describe it in any other way. That's unique. Yes, it's completely unlike, unlike anything else that I've ever experienced. I am a world traveler and I've been in mm -hmm. so many places around the world, but nothing compares to this experience. <laughs> well, I'm sure everyone listening can agree with me that now that's somewhere to put on my list of places Absolutely. to visit from, from how and you described you, it. And if you love horses, as I do, mm -hmm. this is there's no place else on earth that can compare. And do do they sell your books there? Oh, the absolutely, books they there. do. <laughs> yeah, what I would hope so. <laughs> well, sadly, what had happened last year was the owner of the Grand Hotel, after all these years, mm -hmm. ended up selling it, and we were very close to having it had. But had a, a real connection there but unfortunately these things don't last forever yes that does happen but that's yeah. uh, that's sad you know it's kind of like a chapter of their book chapter of their book closing exactly exactly and talking a little bit more about the Libby Linton series are the characters based on on you or any children or other people that you know Absolutely. Every writer needs to be completely sincere. And 
in, in order to do that, you have to find something in the character that they choose to write about in themselves. In many ways, Libby is a reflection of me, but she is far more than that. Libby is a wholly fleshed out person with great curiosity and strength. She garners admiration and respect when faced with insurmountable problems. She always uses her while to achieve the necessary results. In many ways, I wish I could be more like Libby. I believe that in these times, it is more important than ever to bring the reader to a place where they can strive to be more like the characters Mm -hmm. they are encountering in fiction. And and I have a question for you as an author, Mm -hmm. and just what you just said made me think of this. It's something I've thought about before. When you're, you know, planning to write a book, like before you created the first book, Libby Linton and the Looking Glass, do you like map out characters, like even to the detail, like, you know, their favorite, like what their favorite food is, or like, do you map them out before you start writing? No, really, uh, I don't. Um, (laughs) I must tell you, um, I'm dyslexic. Reading Mm -hmm. has always been painful for me, but Mm -hmm. writing was always a joy. I was the family storyteller, and my Mm -hmm. tales would help my grandchildren drift into a dream place. I wanted to write a book that everybody, even a reluctant reader, would find compelling. When when one arrives at a place in one's life where you have achieved the ability to attain perspective, it's time to look back at the sum of the whole and find pivotal moments that were formative my experiences on Mackinac Island were the most joyful. I have a very active imagination, mm-hmm. and when combined with the happy memories, Libby was created. And uh, for our listeners, what year did Libby Linton and the Looking Glass come out? Um, it just uh, came out last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a tale about the past. If I can give you a little bit of a synopsis of the book. Yes. Um, In 1953, Libby Linton, who was a spunky eight-year-old horse-crazy girl, lived in a two-family walk-up on the south side of Chicago. Although her parents gave her as many opportunities to ride with her sister Brenda as they could afford, owning a horse was just out of the question. Knowing the situation, that didn't stop Libby from letting everyone in the family know just exactly what she wanted for her birthday in every conceivable way. She fashioned a bridle and a saddle for her beloved cat, Mitten. She decorated every cake with her version of horses running wild, along with horses being drawn in tiny notes and stuffed into her father Todd's coat pocket and her mother Mary's purse. The other obsession that possessed Libby was her grandmother, Celia, She had died before Libby was born, but the connection was genuine. Celia's only remnant left to the family was the elaborate tortoiseshell-looking glass that rested on her mother's dressing table. Libby had always fantasized that one day she would pick up that mirror and her grandmother would be looking back. Well, one morning, while her parents were at the office and her sister lay sound asleep sprawled across her bed, Libby knew that this would be her chance to tiptoe into her parents' forbidden bedroom and sit on the bench in front of the dressing table and test her temptation. As she peered into the glass, no reflection was to be found. Through the mist that filled the mirror, she heard distant hoofbeats draw nearer as a pair of stunning hackney ponies burst through the cloud in perfect unison, pulling a magnificent open carriage. Then they came to a halt. The door opened and a vision of visions of an elegant lady dressed in white lace and chiffon, a gown and and wearing a broad-brimmed hat with pink ribbons and lilacs rushed towards Libby. Is it you, Grandma, she whispered. So began the supernatural encounter that brought Libby to Mackinac Island, Michigan, where mystery and magic seemed to follow her at every turn. 
well, if that doesn't make someone want to read that book, <laughs> she Lizzie is just such, um, you know, she's almost like a detective, but you know, she's a child. So it's like that, you know, childhood cur- curiosity. Exactly. That, um, that, we, all, exactly. that we all kind of have. <laughs> and she gets to go on an adventure. Yes, she does. Theme. And, you know, as we were reading that synopsis, a big, I mean, a big part of the story is Libby's grandmother. And yes. in your author photo, you are wearing a big hat and pearls and a lacy dress that resembles the described wedding gown and a ball hat for grandmother Celia. Exactly. Is that a family heirloom by any chance or has any well, significance? There are some heirlooms that mm-hmm. certainly have creeped into my presentations, but when I do do book signings, which unfortunately are not available to us in this environment, mm-hmm. um, and speaking engagements have really just disappeared, um, it's important to bring the audience to that place and that time with that character. And I believe that uh, the, the character of the grandmother, Celia, is the perfect vehicle to bring the reader into the world of Libby Linton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, this is a, you know, a whimsical book. Um, are you a believer in, in magic and the unexplained? Uh, I absolutely am. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've had a few experiences of my own but okay. there's one that has stayed with me and made me believe that there are things that are not within the normal realm of our mm-hmm. experience. I was asleep and I had a dream of a woman who was like a second mother to me. Her name was Nellie. She was a robust, extraordinarily active 70-plus woman. I dreamt of her wearing all black. She was hunched over, which was totally not like her. And I... I hadn't seen her in that garb or that appearance in any part of my life. I was awakened from my dream by the sound of a tray falling and silverware and china dropping to the floor from a tray on an airplane. I found out the next morning that her son had died on an airplane the night before as he sat eating his meal. I'm shaken by the memory still today. Wow, <laughs> give me goosebumps. I I haven't personally had any of those types of experiences, but I'm totally a you know a believer in the unexplained <laughs> things like that. Um, and you know, I believe everyone that tells me those types of stories. And I'm always um, with those types of tones and novels. It's something I personally look forward to. <laughs> Have you? Have you read the second in the series, The Lost Room? So I have to tell you, I signed on to host a little late, so I only got through oh. a little bit of it. I did not finish it. Well, if you, if mm. the, the, this experience is mm-hmm. exciting to you, mm-hmm. when you get to The Lost Room, mm-hmm. you will be carried away to another time and another place in a mystical and magical experience like you've never had before. So well, keep reading. <laughs> you, yes, you've definitely hooked me in. I'm sure you've hooked in <laughs> a lot of our uh, listeners as well. Um, and so just for our listeners, um, I just want to clearly state out the titles of the books. So it's Libby Linton and the Looking Glass, the first one. Libby Linton and the Lost Room is the second one. And then Libby Linton and the... Midawiwin. Midawiwin, yes. Yes. Libby Linton and the Midawiwin is the third one. Yes. And the fourth, which is coming out (gasps) next month. Oh, that's exciting. It is exciting. It's Libby Linton and the End of the Winding Path. So there's an awful lot of stuff coming your way. I've just recorded my first uh, audio book. And oh, of the, and you're, of you're a green and the looking too. glass. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think the experience can be really replicated by an actor portraying uh, the characters or, or reading someone else's work. If you've created it, it's appropriate for the actor to be the author. 
So I, I took a Absolutely. great, I agree with great you. pleasure, great pleasure and, in doing that. And talking about the third novel, Libby Linton and the Middle We Win. Um, yes. So there's a history of Native Americans on the island. Can you tell us a little bit about how you weaved that story into the third novel? Oh, absolutely. Well, remembering that the core of these books is the love of horses. And I don't want to give away any surprises, <laughs> but Libby's love of a horse in, engages her with one particular horse who had a very bad fall. And the veterinarians couldn't figure out what was wrong or how to fix him. And the love between this girl and that horse was so intense that she needed to find some way to bring the horse back to where he was. And as it turns out, her relations with her grandfather became so important to her. And he had had ponies in his youth. And one of his ponies became injured. And he determined that the only way he was going to be able to help his horse was to ask the local native tribe, which were the Ojibwa, if one of their special uh, spiritual guides could come up with some potion or some way to heal his pony. And through a number of very bizarre and peculiar and unexpected ways, uh, Libby was, had an encounter with a young Ojibwa boy whose reflection she found in her horse's water bucket, who whispered a word to her, that she'd never heard before, the word was Pitchkosan. And as it turned out, her grandfather knew exactly what a Pitchkosan was and sent her on her journey to find an Indian healer, a medicine man who had extraordinary abilities and to try to find one in our cur her current day society that could help her find the, the magical cure for her horse. So it's all, it's all interwoven and very much um, a surprise, a big surprise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't, won't give too much away, but I'm, I, I want to say, yeah, keep telling me more. <laughs> and so I wanted um, as we get into, you know, the last few minutes of our interview, I wanted to transition the conversation a little bit, but before I do, um, where, and you have, you mentioned you have your fourth book coming out. Where can yes. people find your books? Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's the best place that you get at Barnes and Noble. They're certainly mm -hmm. happy to, uh, to help you. And, and if you were to find my website, crkami author.com, you'll find a place where you can purchase the books directly from me, and I will include a very special little bookmark with it and sign it for um, and make it a personal experience for those people who've gone to the trouble to find me on my website. Yeah, well, I would definitely encourage everyone um, to do that. Again, that's C-R Kame, that's K-A-H-M-E, author.com. Is that correct? It is. Great. And so I wanted to transition the conversation a little bit. You mentioned um, you were dyslexic. And, yes. you know, but you're a successful author. And I think I, you know, I think that's really important to talk about no matter what you're dealing with, especially as a child in our society, you know, you can be whatever you want to be. And if something seems like a roadblock, it, you know, it doesn't mean that's the end all for you. right? Exactly. And, if you have a story yeah. to write, my advice is do it. Don't let anybody tell you that you have to conform to a fixed outline mm -hmm. and a schedule. If it's inside and it needs to come out, your story will find a way. Mm -hmm. That's how Libby came to me. I sincerely believe that I did not write these books. Libby did it through mm -hmm. me. 
The technical part of editing and creating a visual appearance is where you need the help of experts. Finding a team that can help help you with that makes the adventure even more wonderful. But make no mistake, you will need a team. And what can people do um, if you know they know someone with dyslexia or another disability, especially children? Um, what can people do to like support their friends or support their peers? Well, I'll tell you something. Um, what appears in in one's early days as a real barrier becomes mm-hmm. such a gift because, um, like so many people who have disabilities, your your mind, your abilities find other venues. And I think what's happened, certainly with me, um, is that I found alternate ways to be able to comprehend words in a, on a page that I could never have done before. Um, and I think that that's what was my incentive to put this book together in a way that really touched the reader, particularly those who've had difficulty with the written word all along. I have pictures in the beginning of each chapter. The first chapter is four pages long. I have to tell you, when I started reading in the beginning, the first thing I did was count the number of pages till I could get to the end of the Mm -hmm. first chapter. There are only four pages. Mm -hmm. And at the end of every chapter is a giant hook. You can't stop. You have to turn the next page. You can't fall asleep. You've got to read through to the next chapter. So that's, and then, and then the size of the type, I didn't want it to be, you know, I didn't want to talk down to my reader, but I wanted it to be easy to read. And, and I, as a dyslexic person needed to separate the the sentences. And so there's enough room. You could put a piece of paper underneath each sentence if you wanted to just to make the words hang together. And the typeset is just a tad larger than it would normally be. The stories themselves, the books are 120 pages. It's a, it's a, uh, if you start in the morning, you'll be finished by night. It's yeah. the kind of thing, it's the <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> that takes you over mm-hmm. and it get, leaves you with an experience that I guarantee, I guarantee, that the reader will never forget. And you know, in these really troubling times, it's such a gift that I feel that I'm giving to the reader of something that's joyful and positive and and can be held up as an example of a way to go forward. No, I think that's just um, amazing. And like I said, it's um, something, that's something I think about a lot is people who are, dealing with dyslexia, dealing with a disability, really dealing with anything that feels like, you know, they can't be what they want to be. Exactly. Um, but you're just, yeah, you're a, you're a role model for those people. Thank and you. I know, so your fourth book is coming out next month. Yes. Um, anything I wanted to ask you, what's next for you? So you already mentioned the fourth book, anything else? Oh, I do. Uh, (laughs) Many years ago, uh, my first horse, I've always loved horses, as I said. Um, My very first horse, his name was Coppermine. He found me. I was 30 years old. I went to celebrate my birthday by going on a ride at a stable on Martha's Vineyard. Two kids were on the trail ride with me, and when they came back, they wanted to walk back home, and I offered them a drive. They both owned horses, but rode at the stable for a change of pace. And they were shocked that I didn't own my own horse. I said, I never found one I needed to own. They said that a friend of theirs was selling her horse because she was going off to college and that it was just around the corner from where they lived. Well, I took one look at that horse and that was it. And he became the best friend that I ever had. And he always will be. Wow, that was meant to be. It was meant to it be. It sounds like. <laughs> and um, another quick question um, about the series. Was there a uh, Jack and Jill horses at the Grand Hotel? 
Oh really. my goodness. <laughs> really, there were. Because actually the last time I was there was the summer before last. And the owner at the time, Mr. Mm-hmm. Musser, who appears in my book with his permission, um, lent me his carriage and his horses to take us to a very special dinner in a very special place um, that I'm sure you've read about. It's in the first book at the end of the very last chapter. And those two fabulous horses, fabulous horses, were mine to use whenever I came to the, the hotel. So, yes, it was, um, they were my, they were mine. <laughs> and, CR, I could, um, I feel like you and I could keep talking for a while longer, but it is time to wrap up this segment. Um, I think just the way you described it, Um, I think everyone is probably interested in getting your books. Looking forward to your fourth book coming out next month. Again, um, that's C-R-Kame, K-A-H-M-E, author.com. Everyone should, you can get them on Amazon, but everyone should get the books directly from C-R. I just Um, really want to say thank you. This is such a wonderful opportunity you've given me. And in these difficult times, when it's impossible to share your work. It's lovely to have this opportunity. Yeah, no, we're incredibly happy to have you. This has been a great interview. Um, I, I, I only host every once in a while just from being busy. Um, so I'm glad I got to do this with you. Um, I'm pleased. It was wonderful. And I challenge everyone listening to do your part um, and always, always support people with disabilities. Again, like if you don't have one yourself, like you could be that inspiration because um, people can be whatever they want to be, no matter what. Exactly. Um, well said. And thank you again, CR. And um, also be sure to support our show and learn about upcoming events at btsya.org. Show your love for more segments like this one by donating to Be The Star You Are, 501c3 literacy charity that brings you this program at bethestarur.org. I'm Rachel Glass. Keep listening for more about the adventure. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to Express Yourself. I'm Rachel Glass, and this week's show is centered around adventure. For this last segment, I thought it was important to discuss some of the things going on in our world today. Um, You know, our last guest, 
OCR mentioned how, you know, she's not doing any in-person book tours or book signing right now um, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And being adventurous means willing to take risks or to try out new methods, ideas, or experiences. And during this pandemic, you might not be able to have as many new experiences as you like, but it is a time where you do really have to assess the risk of, um, of most of the choices you're making. It's like, you know, things we never had to think about before we're really thinking about now. Um, and it's important, actually it's critically important to make informed and responsible decisions, um, as well as calculated risks to protect yourself and your household and your loved ones and your community. For example, I live in a California city with extremely high numbers of COVID-19 that are still increasing. And I also live with someone who is, um, um, has diabetes. So I'm worried, you know, of course, about potential complications. And I'm just, you know, using the information that I have to have those worries. Um, so I make decisions such as not going to the grocery store, but getting groceries delivered, and of course, tipping and sanitizing most of my groceries. Um, and I make sure to always wear a mask out, even if it's just like down, taking my apartment elevator downstairs to check the mail. And part of me feels like I'm slightly overreacting, but another part of me feels like taking those steps is the best thing to do in my personal situation. And I bring all this up because, um, you know, I got to believe that other people feel the same way I do, that it's like, we don't know exactly what the right thing to do is here, especially because most of us, including myself, haven't been through something like this before. So we're just, you know, trying to do the best we can. And I mentioned to you about wearing the mask and, you know, ordering groceries instead of going to the grocery store. And that doesn't mean what I am choosing to do is the only right answer. Like, I'm not saying that that's what people should be doing. Um, and of course, it certainly doesn't have zero risk. Uh, I'm just, you know, explaining what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And <sighs> there are a few things that I think everyone can do to make the best decisions for yourself and your community. And I think everyone's quote unquote best decisions are going to be different. And that's okay. Um, I think the biggest thing to remember is that we're all in this together. And you can't just protect yourself. You have to think about others in this specific situation. And so I encourage everyone, if you haven't done so already, to get educated and informed because that's the only way you can make these right decisions for yourself. Um, one of the biggest things about getting educated about this um, is knowing the most updated case numbers in your area. Are they increasing or are they decreasing? Because that's probably going to affect you know, the decisions you're making. And if you're in a county with higher numbers like I am, you should probably take more precautions than if you're in a county with lower numbers. And you can look up those numbers. Um, the CDC has a COVID data tracker online. You can literally look up CDC COVID data tracker and it will take you to, a, to see the cases county by county along with other useful, more specific statistics. And again, that'll guide you to decide what type of precautions to take. Um, and with that being said, it's really important to use when you are educating yourself, informing yourself, it's really important to use reliable sources because as we know, not everything on the internet is uh, true and reliable, but the CDC that I just mentioned is definitely a reliable source. So you can trust what you read there. And I had mentioned, you know, I wear a mask even when I'm just running downstairs in my apartment complex. Um, and I do that because, you know, I'm not the only one living here. And if you're confused about what situation to wear a mask in, it, it, it is confusing. And I would say if you're in a county with high numbers of infection, wearing a cloth face mask, not even like a medical grade one, is a really easy thing to do that can help protect not only you, but also protect your community. Um, and it, again, there's a difference between the medical masks. That's like what healthcare workers should be wearing and cloth masks that people are like, you can just make a cloth mask at home actually. Um, and it doesn't, you know, like 
if you wear a mask that doesn't 100% protect you from getting the virus. But what it does do, according to the information we have, is that it protects others around you. And again, that comes into doing things not only for yourself, but for other people. Uh, there are tons of tutorials on social media that can teach you how to make a mask from household items you probably already have. So that could be, you know, a $0 and zero cent mask. Um, and, but another option, of course, is to purchase cloth masks. A ton of companies are selling them, um, even smaller companies, especially since, you know, we're not, you know, going to restaurants or maybe not buying the other items online. A lot of companies have turned to making these masks. So who knows, maybe a company that you normally like to support, but you can't right now is making masks. Um, I would suggest doing a little research to see what small local businesses are in your area that are making them because that's a win-win in itself because you get to support small business and protect your community. I hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. And, you know, if you feel like me where you're not sure if you're doing the right thing, which can make a stressful situation even more stressful, just know again that you're, um, you're not alone. Everyone pretty much feels like that. And as long as you are educated and informed and that, you know, you're, you're doing the research that you need to do to make informed decisions, that's all you can do because at the end of the day, you can only, um, you know, you can only control yourself and your decisions. Um, and just remembering that it's not just for you, it's for everyone else as well. So I hope if you were to take anything from this episode, it's that, you know, together we can make a difference supporting each other, no matter what type of, of adventure. And unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. Audience, please support BTSYA and find more information on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs on our main site at www.bethestarur.org. You've been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. I'm Rachel Glass. As always, we give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, and especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. Be present, be yourself, advocate, for, advocate speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine. Between the lines, if you would let yourself go, find some place you know. Are you a teenager with lots to say, but no one to talk to? Let your creativity explode and your voice be heard on the radio program Express Yourself, a show by teens, for teens, and about teens. No topic is off limits as you connect with teens with attitude. Check out Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel. And join our global community where teens talk and the world listens. www.btsya.com. You can express yourself. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens.